It's the Grim Tidings Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Matheny. And I'm Philip Overby. Today, we're joined by not one, but two returning guests. First returning after nearly two years. She originally appeared in the episode number six of the podcast all the way back in June of 2015 on our Controversies in Grimdark episode, which is available for download in the show archive. On that episode, we talked about Grimdark, publishing, getting an agent, and we also talked about our guest's forthcoming fantasy novel, in which we referred to as The Heart of a Tualon. But since then, the book has changed titles and is now known as The Dragon's Legacy. And we're here today to celebrate the long-awaited release of that novel. It drops April 18th from Titan Books. The Grim Tidings podcast welcomes back author Deborah A. Wolf to the show. Deborah, welcome back. Hey, guys. Thanks. Glad to be here. A long time no talk. It's been about two years, so we're glad to have you back on the show, Graham. Yeah, who'd have thought I'd still be here? (laughs) (laughs) Or us at that. So that's not all, though. On Deb's first appearance, she talked about her rock star agent at the time. The name was unfamiliar, but since then, Mark Gottlieb has appeared on the show twice to talk about his experience with Trident Media Group as a number one ranked literary agent for science fiction and fantasy. Mark Gottlieb, welcome back to the show, sir. Hey, thanks. Good to be back. Appreciate you having me on the show again. And here we are reunited, and it feels so good. We're here to talk about the drag legacy it's going to be unleashed on the world in just about a week or two here um we'll drop this episode on april 18th just when the book comes out but uh the book is ready for release in the world god it feels like it's taken forever to get here usually we have uh just the author to talk about the release of the book but i thought it'd be cool to have the author and the agent on the show to talk about the book release and i'm sure you both have a vested interest in the success of this title and future releases of the series so april 18th is the proverbial book birthday for the dragon's legacy i presume both you uh deb and you mark are excited for this book to finally at long last be out in the world oh hells yeah definitely beautiful book and uh, very excited for this release. Does the publishing industry usually run at uh, kind of first gear, would you say, Mark? Oh, yeah. I mean, from signing a book up, it usually takes 12 to 18 months for for most books. I mean, publishers don't want to feel rushed to publication because they have lots of uh, various moving parts that they need to set in motion from marketing to publicity and cover design. I, I think you seldom get a good result when you rush to publication. And usually we have the author tell us a bit about the book and the series, but we're going to switch things up since, Mark, we have you on the show today. So why don't you, Mark, tell us a little bit about The Dragon's Legacy and what you think readers will expect when they read the book. Well, I think this book is going to change a lot of people's notions of fantasy. It's really outside of the regular sort of European or or Celtic kind of setting for uh, fantasy. And one of the things that really spoke to me about Deb's writing was that she was willing to to really go in there and sort of challenge every kind of fantasy trope that, that was set out and, you know, kind of turn it on its head, which I think makes for new and exciting fantasy. Um, and it's going to be a very important book, I think, for Titan books. They're publisher largely based in the UK, but also in the US. Most of their sales occur in the US. They had a major presence for the book at the London Book Fair, huge uh, wall poster, and the book was featured there at their booth. And it's a very big statement on behalf of the publisher, you know, publishing a debut in hardcover. And not only that, they've taken on uh, five books now from Debbie, three in this series, The Dragon's Legacy, and two more in another series, uh, beginning with the title uh, uh, Split Feather. So, 
It's wonderful, I think. Yeah, not bad, Mark. You got her five books so far. Yeah, no, no pressure at all, none <laughs> whatsoever. So I can imagine, yeah. Deb, uh, over the last six or 12 months, um, you've been getting prepared for this release of The Dragon's Less Legacy. Uh, what have you been doing uh, in preparation for the release? Well, the only thing I really haven't been doing much of is sleeping. Um, since we've, since we've talked, I've gotten a, a full and half time job. So my writing time has been, uh, pushed earlier and earlier in the day. Um, I've been doing a lot of social media presence. I, I updated my digital footprint. Um, I've been getting in touch with a lot of bloggers and really listening to the feedback, the early feedback of the book, which has been overwhelming and more than a little surreal. I mean, Mark talks about you know, a big presence at the London Book Fair and Titan. Um, Titan Books has been very, very good to me. I'm, I'm exceedingly pleased with my relationship with my publisher and with my uh, dark editorial overlord, Steve Saffel. Um, but like I said, Mark was talking about this this big presence and this big push and, you know, front of store displays. And it's all very surreal to me. Um, I just got hold of my hard copy for the first time the other day and then it started really sinking in that um, this is a thing that's happening, and I'm just kind of rolling with it and pretending that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> the reviews are starting to come in. You mentioned uh, one review compared it to Dune, which is one of the most epic novels of all time. Um, we, we usually don't ask about friends and family, but how how has the reception been in your friends and family as far as this big presence that you're getting? Well, it's it's been my kids have always been behind me. You know, I've got three kids in college now, and of course, I've got a seven year old who doesn't know the difference. She still thinks I'm brilliant. <laughs> um, so my kids have always been a hundred percent behind me. The rest of my family, and um, I, I'm going to be really honest here because I think a lot of writers need to hear this. Most of my family, for most of my life, has been more than a little dismissive of anything writing related. Uh, if I tried to talk about a book or tried to talk about writing, all I heard from a very early age was get a real job, do a real thing. You know, this is a hobby. We don't want to hear about your book until it's been sold and published. Actually, um, my mom, whom I love very, very much, told me that a couple of years ago. I don't want to hear about a book until you've sold and published something because it's just not seen as a real thing that people who are grown-ups do. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've actually been hearing that since I was, I think when I was four, I, I said I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to write stories. And that's about the time it started. You know, people don't make money writing. It's not a real job. And um, I'm here to say that is absolute horseshit. So you're, it's published now, so... Right. Yeah. Now that, all of a sudden, everybody is telling me how they always knew I could do it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. of course. Yeah, we always knew you're and I'm like, just, you know what, shut up. If, if you're not going to. And, and for those of you out there who might be listening to this, who are friends and family of, of writers, it, that's it's not cool. Not cool, guys. Um, if you're going to support them, support them when they're crap and they're writing really lousy poetry. Um, not just in the tradition of John Service, but in absolute tepid imitation of jo of Robert Service. Support him then, or shut up when they finally make it. Yeah, I wrote shit yeah, poetry I, for a long time. I totally, I totally agree with what you said. I feel like we would have uh, many, many more successful authors where just 
friends and family to be, be, to be willing uh, to support them from an early stage in their career. Uh, but certainly there are, you know, a lot of authors that actually make a viable career out of this stuff um, and, and do write full time and, and make like actually some of them an amazing living at it. And, and even if you don't ever make a living at it, I mean, even if I made $100 a year doing this, this is my thing. Writing is my thing. Storytelling is is who I am as a person. And and to tell a creative person, don't do this, this is stupid, I, I can't tell you how that truncates a person's personality. And um, I feel personally as if I lost out a lot by listening to those voices and, and really internalizing them. Um, I mean, if I'd had support when I was young and tender enough for that to make a big difference, who knows what I could have done or what I could have been by now you know, with an extra 20 years of practice. I have a very, very good friend. Her name is Christine Alden. And it took her belief in me and in what I was writing to really kick my ass through the giant slog of writing the first draft of a humongous book. Um, and then once I'd crested that hill, I kind of felt a little bit unstoppable. That's but if I'd never had that, I never would have finished this book. That's another good point if listeners are, are out there and... Uh, you have a writer friend, uh, you don't realize how much of a difference that makes to just step in and say, you know, keep your head up and keep going forward because writers, being a writer is lonely as shit. And if you can get somebody to be behind you, it's it's a big thing. So you sponsor a writer today and help them out along the way. I, I, I recommend for everyone. I wanted to ask about the relationship the relationship between an agent and client since we're you're both on the show we haven't a, a been able to do that before so what would you say both say is the greatest thing about your ongoing relationship and you can feel free to shower each other with compliments tell us why you love each other so much and well, it's a great relationship do you want to go first Debbie or I mean oh yeah absolutely um <laughs> I, I would have to say a lot of times Mark is uh, Mark is my grounding rod. Um, he's the voice of reason. He's somebody that I can trust implicitly with my career. Um, and, you know, I'm in my late 40s now, so I don't have a whole bunch of time in front of me to slowly grow a career. I've got to storm the castle right now, and that's what I want to do. And I know that um, Mark really knows his stuff. Uh, the dude's a rock star. So I can ask his advice and I can trust that he's he's giving me good advice because he knows his shit and he's not going to mislead me in any way. Uh, and when I'm, you know, I'm kind of a squirrel chaser. So when I'm herring off down these funky paths, you know, I can I can pretty much count on him for guidance, but also for a great deal of encouragement. You know, I'm coming up with something saying oh, hey, I want to write this book that would include uh, recipes for long pork. And he's, you know, he's not saying, oh, my God, nobody does that. Stop. Uh, he's saying, oh, I think that would be great, you know. And um, I, I just I think it's a fantastic relationship. I think we have a lot of professional respect for each other. Um, I like Mark a lot as a person. And here's to a, a long and fruitful relationship. Hey, thanks, Debbie. <laughs> well, I, yeah, for me, it's a, it's a lot of the tender feelings. Uh, for me, you know, it's a lot of... Uh, kind of the same stuff. I mean, it's very exciting to see someone come up in the world 
uh, that's that's new to the writing community, and it's really great just to be someone who you know is supportive and handholding, kind of the opposite of the you know contrarian that type of person that Debbie had uh, described. You know what what I live for is helping people make their dreams come true. It's an incredible feeling. I mean, it might sound vicarious, but um, it's the same way that that a doctor. You know, they like to see their patients heal and do well, uh, makes them feel good. And, uh, you know, that's what, kind of what it is for me. I do like to, to see this through all, this, all the steps of uh, the process with Debbie. There's a lot um, that's going to be uh, new for her and, and uh, unfamiliar, for instance. Actually, when the, the, the publishing process was just starting out, we had a different editor on the book, and it was promised to us that the book was uh, to be a hardcover, and the publisher was going to be, you know, reversing their decision on that for whatever reason. And you know, we needed to kind of hold them to the fire on that. And ultimately, I think everyone agreed. You know, when they went into their editorial board meeting and they had their sales conference, that this book was was meant to be a hardcover because it's, it's it makes a very big statement on the part of the publisher to do the book in that format. You know, it's a lot more expensive to produce. The, their biggest books are done in hardcover. Um, the book will go on to see, to see um, other formats following that. Um, but I think if I wasn't in the, in the picture in, you know, in Debbie's life, the way that I am, where the publisher just to say, well, we're doing this as a trade paperback, you know, you know, an author might just say, well, okay. But, you know, I didn't think that we should should stand for that. And I'm glad that that we didn't. And it seems like um, Titan is kind of going full bore with the support that they're giving in support of this release for the Dragon's Legacy. It seems like they've put in a lot of uh, stock into making sure that this series goes over pretty well with readers. Would you say that, Mark? Yeah, there's a lot of energy they put in with uh, their marketing and publicity efforts. We've gotten some amazing trade reviews that have come in, both from bookstores uh, and from various sites, I think uh, Debbie, we just got one in today from was it the was it the New York Journal of Books, and um, I think we got a really nice review from Library Journal and elsewhere. So the trade reviews are very strong. There's some great blurbs for the book, which both the publisher was able to help secure, and we were able to do some outreach on our end. So, for instance, David Farland, the New York Times bestselling author of the Rune Lord series uh, has given a quote. Um, Barb Hendy, international best-selling author, um, and many others. And what would you say, um, Mark, in your counsel, what would you say Deb should expect now that the book is released? Where would you have her put her attention now that the book is released? Well, what's going to be important for the book at this stage is really getting the pre-order numbers up because that – will change the publisher's expectation of the book and the type of attention they, they give it and the way they treat it. Um, you know, there are ways to go about doing that, and I think we're doing a lot of the right things uh, among them. Like I said, a lot of that, the blog outreach um, to reviewers and trade reviewers. But I think conference season is also coming up because, you know, spring, summertime is rolling around and um, there are going to be a lot of great science fiction and fantasy conferences coming up. I know, Debbie, you said that you're attending, uh, was it WISCON again? 
Well, I was thinking about doing Wiscon, but um, looking at the amount of work I still have to do on uh, the Forbidden City, um, the second one in the Dragon's Legacy series, I think I might stay home and write that weekend. Well, I mean, look, you have to devote that kind of attention to, to the writing. It's, of course, it's important. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of online outreach, I think, that Debbie's been doing that's great, both on Facebook and uh, on Twitter, and actually just through through blogging on the on uh, the author website too. And we're always looking for for more women to join the grim dark revolution. Uh, you, you know, we're the grim dark specialists here. Uh, we have a few uh, people that have come up on the radar. Anna Smith Spark, in addition, who will be a future guest. Uh, Deb, uh, what other grim women? Are, are out there that you would like to see get some attention and you can build up uh, more 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 of a presence with for women in the grimdark genre well i'm looking at um anna i don't know if stephens or stevens and anna smith spark both of them look like um look like people i want to hang out with look like people whose books i want to read uh those most especially you know i i'd say joe abercrombie but uh you know, wrong gender. <laughs> well, Joe Abercrombie really, uh, he's my favorite author as far as, as Grimdark goes. I just, I love his stuff so much. Of course, um, the other two, Anna and Anne, I haven't read either one of their books yet because they're not out yet. Mm. I, I Personally, I think um, 2017 it is looking to be a bumper crop for debut authors in fantasy. Um and notably debut women authors in fantasy. So I'm looking forward to seeing what this year brings, and hopefully I'll have some new favorites on my bookshelf. Yeah, it's great because I think as it was mentioned in um, Debbie when you when you gave uh, your first podcast interview with Grim Tidings, you know, kind of the way you described it was like fantasy science fiction was very much so like kind of treated like a boys club, which I think was is really unfair to kind of this underrepresented readership uh, of women uh, who enjoy science fiction and fantasy. And frankly, I mean, most people who read um, across across all of literature actually are, are women, surprisingly. In fact, even the people who, who work in book publishing, it's, it's primarily women. I think it exceeds men by prob- probably it's um, 60 to 80 percent women easily, which just amazes me that, you know, it's sort of sort of taken this long for fantasy to get to this point where there's so many women authors being important voices in fantasy and catering to that underrepresented readership. Oh, oh, heck yeah. We, we buy the heck out of books, seriously. Um, aiming your stuff towards a, a male-specific audience is, is very short-sighted in writing. Um, you just walk to the bookstore and, and go in and look around, and you're going to see who's buying most of the books. Um, that being said, it has been mentioned that I can be considered a a feminist fantasy writer, um, and I I don't have any problem with that. Um, if I go out and get a moose, I can skin it myself. I don't have any issue with um, being considered a feminist, but I don't want people to think that I'm only writing for women. Um, I want... I really love fantasy. I really love to read fantasy. And when I'm reading, I especially enjoy it if I can imagine myself as one of the characters. If I see somebody that I can identify with portrayed as a cool person, somebody I'd want to get to know, doing things that I'd love to be able to do, 
that to me is highly enjoyable. And I would like to give that experience to as many people as I can. I would like to portray as many different people as well as I can, um, whether that means somebody with a disability, somebody with um, maybe mental health issues, uh, people of color, women, men, boys, girls, people of all ages. Um, I would like to invite as many people as can fit into my sandbox to play with all the toys and have a good time. Cheers to that. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, one, one thing we haven't talked about as far as a literary agency goes is what the internal reaction to a book is. Uh, we know your feelings about it, Mark, but what, is, what has been the internal reaction within the, within the complete or the entire agency as far as Deborah's book? At Trident Media Group. Yeah, generally speaking, people are really excited for the book. They think it, it's got a beautiful look to it. Titan um, put a nice uh, foil effect on the cover and uh, spine of the book on the on the lettering, some nice gold lettering, which might sound like some a small kind of thing to most people, but every time you add an effect to a book, the price of the printing goes up exponentially. So it's a lot for a publisher to even even do the most uh, minute of, of design effects to, to a book's cover. Um, I think that um, a lot of people at the agency were really surprised that Titan, who, you know, I'll be honest, they while they are not a big five publisher, they definitely punch above their weight. And, you know, they're distributed by Penguin Random House and everything. But it's a big statement for a publisher like that to take on a debut, five books, and to be putting this book out in hardcover. I think everyone at the agency sees that and they they recognize how important and how this is a big book for Titan. Um, And then I think the foreign rights team who's been tasked with, you know, seeing uh, Debbie's book published overseas and translated uh, in, in many languages, They've actively been pitching it both at the London Book Fair and the Frankfurt Book Fair, the two biggest book fairs in the world. And the book, not just at Titan's booth, but at our own, our own booth, has had a very big presence where, uh, you know, the ARCs, the advanced reader copies of the book, were on display. Uh, the book was on the front cover of our sales catalog. So we have like a rights guide or what we, uh, we call a, a hot list, you know, of our our most important titles. And so Debbie's book was pictured there and it had a nice presence in the catalog and we put together a sales sheet for it. So it's been getting a lot of love and attention uh, inside the agency. I think our audiobook department is just as excited um, for Debbie's books. We had um, just sold Split Feather, um, that fantasy duology to um, Hachette Audio. They're a big five publisher. They have an independent audio arm, and it's very unusual for an audiobook publisher um, situated with uh, within a big five publisher to uh, independently acquire audio to a title they're not publishing. Um, usually, it's independent audiobook publishers. If a big five publisher, you know, does their own audio, um, it's for one of their own books, and the only time they might acquire uh, a, an outside book, the audio rights, it would be if like a huge name, like if 
I don't know, if like Bruce Springsteen were doing his memoir, they would be very keen to, to do the audio. So it's wonderful. I think people, people um, have woken up not just at our own agency, but across publishing um, to what Debbie's doing. I love the cover for The Dragon's Legacy, um, and it's even prettier in person. I mean, it's just a fabulous cover, uh, and the thing's got weight, too. You could knock somebody out with this book. <laughs> um, and, and actually, my uh, I describe myself as an author who writes books that can double as melee weapons, and uh, that's before The Forbidden Kingdom comes out, so watch out for that one. Don't drop that one on your foot. They did a gorgeous job putting it together. Um, it, really, everything I could dream of, and... The whole thing still, like I like I said, seems completely surreal. But uh, I'm rolling with it, though. I'm happy. And I have to say, too, um, there was one issue with the cover when the when the advanced reader copies came out, um, or before they right before they came out, where the moons actually looked as if they had been lit by different sources. And not expecting it to happen, I requested that that be changed. And Titan went well out of their way to make that change and as a new author i i was pretty flabbergasted at how much love i was getting from them so um like i said very happy with titan um and cassandra bolan has done some really cool stuff for me as far as social media if you go on to my facebook authors page or my um my author webpage, deboraawolf.com you can see this beautiful author's portrait she did for me which is above and beyond uh, some publishing house out there needs to snap her up as an illustrator because she's ridiculously good. So book two is the Forbidden Kingdom in the series, and then you've got uh, book three slated as well. So is it just a trilogy, or you plan on going further with the series? It, it's the Forbidden City. I keep I keep misspeaking that. Um, it, it is. There's uh, Titan has has purchased three books in the series from me. Uh, we've got um, the Dragon's Legacy is the first one. The second one is the Forbidden City. Uh, the third one, I have a working title right now, The Seared Lands. I expect that the um, that the series is going to go somewhat beyond that. I'm not thinking 20 books. I have a very good idea of the entire story arc. Um, it's not a 20-book deal. Probably not going to wrap it up in three books, though, because I have a lot of people doing a lot of stuff, and I've got some big things that need to happen in increments, so... I have a number, but I'm, I'm reluctant to put it out there because I know what happens to authors to do that. <laughs> uh, Mark mentioned Split Feather, which uh, I uh, talked with you about a while back when I was kind of dabbling with uh, urban fantasy myself. And you, you had mentioned you love, love, love urban fantasy. Uh, uh-huh. How does it feel to shift from epic fantasy to urban fantasy and how... How would you promote those differently or deal with those differently when the time comes? You know, it's it's surprising how easily I slipped into into Siggy Alexoff's voice. There's an awful lot of me in that character, um, or I should say, there's an awful lot of a twenty-something me in that character. Um, hot-headed, more than a little bit rough around the edges. She could skin her own most too and not have a problem with it. Siggy is a really interesting character. And since I grew up in the middle of Alaska, um, soaking up these wonderful uh, stories uh, of the Athabascan old times, um, I mean, I, I sat at the feet of Catherine Atla and listened to her 
tell stories that are generations and generations old in her wonderful, wonderful voice, um, it, it was surprisingly easy and and natural for me to to slip from one to the other. It's a very, very different book from the epic fantasy. It's the feel is different, the tone is different. Um, but for me, it was just as easy as as you know, slipping on a, a glove instead of a hat. Um, I can't speak to how simple that would be for a different author. And originally, it was intended that I should use a pen name. Um, I believe that has been segued away from, which makes me happy because I think authors should be encouraged to write more than one book, um, just like painters should be encouraged to paint more than one type of painting. Um, you know, just kind of throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks, I guess. That's pretty remarkable that you had signed a trilogy for The Dragon's Legacy, and before that's even released, you signed for two more books for this urban fantasy series. So people must really, really enjoy what they're reading from you, Deborah. Well, that and I have a rock star agent. <laughs> uh, well, you've written some amazing books. Uh, I think Titan and you know the editor there, Steve Saffel, who, you know, he's old school publishing, so... He really knows that at the end of the day, it's just about good writing, trusting your gut. You can't just go by what, you know, a lot of these bean counters or what the trends are saying. You know, he, he used to work at, um, at Del Rey over at Random House before going over to Titan. And I think he, like, as I do, um, you know, we see a lot of promise in Debbie's writing and, um, you know, it can really take off at any point. It could be this first book. It could be this uh, this other series. It could could be at any other point. Um, you know, th- there are, in fact, authors who, for instance, actually, I suppose, a totally different kind of genre, but, um, you know, the Gone Girl book, Gillian Flynn, she had been writing for a while, kind of quietly publishing books, and suddenly it took off in a big way. Um, because the writing was always there. And I think Titan really understands what Debbie's books are about, and they knew they were the right kind of publisher to do that kind of urban fantasy series. So um, they were happy to take this on board. Okay, so we've we've got uh, The Dragon's Legacy releasing uh, April 18th, so that'll be available when this podcast is released. It'll be available for people to purchase. They can go to the show notes, and they can click the link to Amazon to go purchase the copy, and we recommend that folks do that. Um, And then for folks who want another taste of The Dragon's Legacy, you have a short story appearing in the Evil is a Matter of Perspective anthology from Grimdark Magazine, and that is dropping in late May for folks who want to check that out. Could you give us just a little snippet of what that short story folks can expect to read in that uh, forthcoming anthology? Um, yeah, that was a Witsu story. A Witsu is a very interesting character. Um, she's a very troubled young girl, and you can expect something that feels like like a Grimm's fairy tale um, and a zombie chicken. <laughs> <laughs> um, Grimdark Magazine, issue number 11, too, has a short story of mine, um, Cry Wolf, which was a, a reimagined uh, telling of the, obviously, of the um, the fable, The Little Boy Who Cried Wolf. And I, I had a lot of fun with that story as well. Oh, great. Yeah, and that's available now, Grimdark Magazine, issue number 11. Is that the Dragon's Legacy universe? I'm linking all of my stories. It won't be... It won't be um, obvious at first how I'm doing it, but I'm calling it the Illindraverse. Um, all of my stories, even my split feather stories, are going to be 
very subtly linked to each other. So yeah, I, probably everything I write from here on out is going to be somehow linked to my Alindra verse. Yeah, it, it's a really smart thing to do because these are other entry points to to Debbie's writing, and so people might come to know her from the short stories, they might come to know her from her novels and then find her stories, so it's very good to be doing that. Well, lots of good stuff. We were going to try our little game before we finish up the podcast here today because we, <laughs> like to, we like to play games here on the podcast, a little, right, a, Philip? A little game. I love how you say that every time. We're going to play a little game that Philip came up yeah, with. Yeah, that doesn't, that, doesn't uh, that doesn't sound sketchy or anything at all. <laughs> Would you like to play a game? <laughs> um, so this game is a little bit different because uh, we have two guests, which is not uh, terribly common, but it's happened before. Uh, but we're going to imagine that both Deborah and Mark have been thrown into a pit of beasts for the entertainment of a bloodthirsty crowd. They are cheering and jeering and throwing things, and they want you to uh, make them happy and spill the blood of the vicious monsters infesting this pit. So I will introduce a monster, and then the two of you must work out together how you will dispatch your deadly foes. Are you prepared? This actually sounds a lot like the publishing industry, so bring it on. <laughs> so Deborah had mentioned she was a barbarian before in our previous interview, so I imagine she has some kind of uh, weaponry available. And then Mark has his handy-dandy briefcase. <laughs> well, I should hope that it's something like the you know the guitar case from Desperado. You know, I got some crazy stuff in there it's my uh it's my bag of tricks so you can you can pull whatever you want out of there whatever <laughs> tickles your fancy okay so the first enemy that is entering the arena is a manticore how will you handle handle a deadly manticore I, i'm going to let mark dazzle the manticore with his with his brilliant arguments as to why the manticore needs to give me audio rights. I'm going to sneak up and bash the damn thing in the head when it's not looking with my giant book that was 300,000 word count when I only promised 100,000 word count. Vicious. Damn. The crowd is loving it. The crowd is like, oh shit. <laughs> That's a big fucking book. That's a big ass book. <laughs> That's not on record, right? That's not. I, I didn't say that. That never happened. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, the next enemy to enter the arena is a deadly, venomous, acid-spitting internet troll. What shall you do to the internet troll? Uh, let's see. I think Debbie's probably going to grab um, either like a either a hip-hop artist or NFL star who is covered <laughs> in uh, angry pit bulls. And yeah, she's gonna throw it at that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. So yeah, see how he likes. Um, see how he likes. You know, glad gladiatorial. You know, pit fight, pit fights and pit matches. I don't know. <laughs> okay, we can hear the we can hear the howl of the troll in the background, dying yep. slowly, dying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Next enemy would be, uh, I believe. Uh, in Deborah's world, she has giant ass robot spiders. How would you handle the giant ass robotic spider thing? 
Oh well, I'm going to um, I'm going to go into Mark's briefcase and I'm going to get his laptop. <laughs> I'm going to download a, a little bit of a hacker program. I'm going to hack the spider, mm. and I'm going to give it red ink, and it's going to become the editor from hell. <laughs> oh, very handy. Okay. Please don't anybody see this is out here. <laughs> <laughs> it's going down in the spider. The 300,000 word manuscript. I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> okay, uh, we have two more enemies to fight. The next enemy is a, let me, I always say this all the time. I'm going to fuck up the pronunciation. Jin, like a genie. Jin? Jin. Jin. How would you handle a uh, dastardly jin that likes to manipulate people? Okay, I'm going to say that Debbie is going to somehow summon or conjure Jean, Jean-Claude Van Damme from Bloodsport. Mm. And he's going to do like a giant split underneath this genie, mm. and then, well, punches balls. Take out, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you really want to go there, I was going to say he's just going to take out a lamp. But oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I interjected. Punching the balls seems the best way to, go. <laughs> to a genie. I didn't know if genies had balls, but apparently they do. So. They got balls, man. Then I'm going to feed Jean-Claude Van Damme to my spider because he's annoying as hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, and to top it off. The boss in, fight. The boss fight in connection mm-hmm. with your title, The Dragon's Legacy. There's a big fucking dragon. What do you do? Oh, well, for first thing, I'm going to kiss the ground because I was afraid you were going to pull the editor out, and that was really <laughs> scary. So a dragon is no big deal. Oh, okay. Yeah, a dragon is no big deal. Um, of course, they did create the Big Bang, so they're kind of big. Uh, I'm going to have to say I'm going to let Mark sing to it because you have to sing to a dragon to make it sleep. And if I sing to it, it's just going to piss it off and it's going to eat the whole world. I, I hope Mark can sing. Can you sing, Mark? La, 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 la. <laughs> that's, oh, that's, nice. That's really Yeah, like, we're fucked. Unless it's, uh, unless, uh, you know, it's karaoke, I just can't, can't sing. No, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Just got destroyed by an angry dragon. Well, if Mark can't sing, Mark, can you bring out your Bushido skills and just uh, stick, hit it with a stick or something? Or Oh, come on. It's supposed to be a real sword. It looks oh. like a stick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe Quinn, do we, maybe we throw a damsel in distress at it or something. I'll. I'll throw it. I'll, I'll throw a, a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey at the dragon, and it will run away. Oh, that will do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you have you have won. The crowd showers you with gold and roses, and you hey. are and you are you are wor- you are worshipped throughout the kingdom as the. They all go and buy my book. Yay! Yeah, and they all go buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I want that book. She beat the shit out of that manticore with. <laughs> Yeah, that that's going to be the the Forbidden City. That's going to be quite the tome of death. Well, Deb, good luck with the release. It's available now. We want everybody to go buy it. Uh, I'm sure you're excited for the book to come out at long last, and we're glad to finally have you back on the show. Here we are about two years later. Uh, for folks who want to find you online, DebraAWolf.com is the website, right? That's it. Yes, you can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm on Twitter every once in a while as Bard underscore Queen. And yeah, you can find me. I'm there. I'm usually writing though, so 
don't bother me. <laughs> well, when the riches and fame and glory roll in from the Dragon's Legacy, hopefully you'll get to write even more. Oh, yeah, there you go. That, that's actually the plan, is right. to write even more. And then Mark Gottlieb, you're on Twitter, you've got a website, and uh, is uh, Trident Media Group currently accepting submission queries at this point? Yep, we're always open to uh, to queries. Uh, folks can visit our website at tridentmediagroup.com, and they can they can look there and see. That's actually where uh, Debbie uh, came my way, through the query transom, as it were. So it really does, uh, I think it does pay to, to write a wonderful query letter and uh, try our agency with it. Uh, that was actually a pretty cool story because I, I sent my query through the um, through the link on their website, and then I went to I figured I figured that was an awful lot of chutzpah for me to be um, querying this guy that was probably going to be like, "Get out of here, kid." <laughs> <laughs> and I refreshed my email inbox just to see if I got one of those, "Hey, thanks for querying us. We'll never speak with you again." Letters. <laughs> And within two minutes, he had actually asked for um, a synopsis. And once I stopped shaking, I sent him the synopsis, and he asked for a full manuscript within five minutes. And that was pretty damn cool. That was a very good day for me. That's right. I never sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, Deb, thanks so much for coming back on. Mark, always a pleasure to have you on the show as well. And Deb, we'll get you back on once the book comes out. And Mark, we kind of check in with you pretty much every six months to get the uh, scuttlebutt on the publishing industry as you being one of the number one agents in the country. So we're always glad to check in with you. And I'm sure we'll have you both back on the show should it continue. But we're about 100 episodes into this motherfucker. So I guess we'll just keep on going. So, <laughs> Wow, congrats. That'll be a milestone. Yeah, yeah that will be a milestone. Drop that on somebody's head. <laughs> we, we got the momentum, so it's kind of like we're babies with big heads. We're just going to keep running forward forever until we that, fall that, over with poopy dice. No, that, that sounds like that sounds like my writing plan. So, <laughs> it's all downhill from here, right? Check us out at thegrimtidingspodcast.com is our website where we have a complete episode archive. We've got blog posts and lots of cool stuff forthcoming on there, so be sure to add that to your favorites. We're on Twitter at Grimdark Fiction. Thanks again for everybody who shares and retweets the show. We definitely appreciate your support. And be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes for the latest episodes. And please leave a five-star review, and that'll help us get higher in the rankings so more people can check out the podcast and find out about cool authors and cool books. And you make that possible by leaving a review. So thank you for that. Um, you can check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm at Rob Matheny80. And uh, Philip Overby, where can folks find you online? I'm all over the fucking place, man. <laughs> Type in anything, you'll find me. Um, no, I'm on. I'm on Facebook, Philip Overby. Uh, I'm on Instagram now. Oh my God! Right. So you can check that out uh, at at Grim Goes Off. That is my Instagram handle. Uh, I have a website, philipoverby.com, and I'm probably doing some other shit. I forgot. <laughs> Well, thanks again for listening to the show. We'll be back next time, and we'll close with the words of Deborah Wolf on this one. Jai to Y. That means until I see you again. Excellent. Jai to Y, guys.